Good morning. I want to welcome those of you who are visiting with us. You're certainly our honored guest. We're glad to have you. Good to see you here, brethren, today to worship God. It is such a privilege to gather here and honor God as we do every first day of the week. It is truly the Lord's Day, and we're grateful that you're here. Last Sunday morning, uh, Ken preached a sermon uh, on baptism, understanding it, and understanding that baptism is for the remission of sins. And it is essential for salvation, which is absolutely true according to Scripture. He did a fantastic job. We considered many passages on the subject and remember Jesus' teaching to Nicodemus in John 3, 5, when Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When one obeys the conditions that God has set forth for salvation, one receives the gift of salvation from God by grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This gift of our salvation through God's grace necessarily implies God's mercy. God will not condemn those who have obeyed the gospel to eternal punishment and the everlasting burning fires of hell. Those who have become Christians will no longer get what they or we deserve as sinners. Rather, they will enjoy what they do not deserve, which is eternity with God in heaven. This is made possible by the blood of Christ, which washes away the sins of those who obey God and obey the gospel. When someone obeys the gospel and becomes a Christian, they're considered a babe in Christ, one who has just been born again spiritually. What do parents do when they come home from the hospital with a newborn baby? The baby's brand new, whole, full of life, yet susceptible to the elements and must be cared for and nurtured to maturity in order to survive. Babies desire food and demand to be fed. Just ask any new parent and they'll remind you of the demands the baby places on the parent for food and nourishment. If someone becomes a Christian and then neglects feeding on the pure milk of the word of truth, then we should not be surprised if that person's faith dies. It's due to neglect. 1 Peter 2, 2 reads, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You see, newborn babes in Christ require spiritual food, but they crave it, they desire it, they want it. They want that pure milk. Becoming a Christian, being born again, is the beginning of the journey towards eternal life. God requires more than simply coasting through life after your baptism. Jesus gives us an indication of this when he says in Matthew seven fourteen, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Salvation does not merely require walking through the gate. But it requires us to follow the difficult path that leads to eternal life. There may be those who even decide to exit the path after they've gone through the gate and enter the way. Or turn back, refusing to lead the Christian life that God would require of his people. I'm here to tell you today, brethren, that any Christian can choose to abandon his or her faith and lose their salvation forever. Even after being baptized into Christ. Jesus makes this clear in the parable of the soils in Luke 8, 13, when he says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. 
There are those who hear the word of God here represented by the seed in that parable and they believe it, but then they fall away when temptation comes. Each of us must make sure that our roots are strong by giving the word fertile soil in our hearts to grow so in the time of temptation we will not fall away. Some Christians may say, well, my roots are strong, so I'm not in need of as much nourishment now as I used to be in need of. Some may say, look at what I've endured to this point. Only those with strong roots could have endured what I went through. Well, let me tell you, not all trees with weak roots are small. Some big trees who have developed a weak root system later die. They leave behind a large dead tree and eventually fall down under the weight of their own weight when the wind blows. We don't want to find ourselves as mature trees with weak roots and get blown over having appeared strong, but in reality, dead. We read in the same parable that there are those who become Christians, yet allow the cares of this world and the difficulties, the deceitfulness of riches, to choke the word and become unfruitful. Any Christian can allow this to happen to themselves by choice, and the results are devastating to one's spiritual life and the relationship with God. Falling away is possible, when speaking, of those, um, when speaking of those Israelites in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, who had all passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, ate and drank spiritual food, Paul writes, they had lusted after evil things, practiced idolatry, sexual immorality, complained against God, and some were destroyed by the destroyer. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 12, Paul records, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed, lest he fall. Let's not forget to continue strengthening our spiritual roots. Any one of us who have obeyed the gospel are capable of falling. All of us are. We read in uh, Hebrews 3.12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Falling away is possible. Notice that if a Christian can depart from the living God, it necessarily implies they were with the living God to leave. Christians can choose to stop believing and depart from the living God. If we look at uh, Hebrews 13, excuse me, 3, 13 through 14, we read of a way that we're told here to prevent this from happening. How do we prevent it? One of those ways is here. Hebrews 3, 13 through 14. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Brethren, let's exhort and encourage one another to stay on the narrow, difficult path and keep ourselves from sin. Notice the if in verse 14. If we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. This is an endurance race. So it will take patience to press on to the very end. If we do not hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, we're not partakers of Christ. Again, falling away is possible. The Apostle Paul himself wrote that he could become disqualified if he were not to bring his body into subjection, even though he had preached the gospel to others. 1 Corinthians 9.26 reads, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. 
No one in this building is exempted from that possibility, having obeyed the Lord. All of us are susceptible to it if we do not actively take measures to bring our bodies in subjection to the will of God. If you or I think that we're some special case, then we're wrong. Paul was no exception, neither are you or me. You and I have likely known of brethren who were once faithful members of this very local congregation that have fallen away. They've fallen away from their active service to the Lord. It's not something that we're unfamiliar with. I've never once heard any of those brethren who have fallen away tell me that they planned to fall away. But in not disciplining their bodies to bring it into subjection, they were putting into the very practice a deadly plan to fall away and leave the Lord. Some go off to college believing they are strong and not susceptible to falling away. But I tell you, unless they're working and enduring, they are susceptible to falling away. We must discipline our bodies and bring them into subjection to Christ. So I'll ask you, what sins are you struggling with? What sins do I struggle with? Whatever those are, focus on actively putting them to death in your life. Get rid of them. Do not allow your body or mind to do what it wants to do. Make your body and mind do and think what God wants it to do and think. Would you think that anyone here would say that they're choosing to fall away from the Lord? Some may not admit it, but they choose to fall away with their sin that is willfully committed. Let's read in Hebrews 10, 26 through 27. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. <clears throat> Are you planning to be at worship tonight with your brethren? Why would you not be here if you are physically able to be here? Don't you want to strengthen your roots, nourish your faith, participate in stirring up one another to love and good works? You know, I've always found it interesting that later in the passage here in Hebrews 10.31, we're told it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This falling into the hands of the living God takes place after willfully sinning. And verse 26, for if we sin willfully, is placed immediately after the command from God to not forsake the assembling of the saints. Let's read 10, 20, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, a familiar passage. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is that day? That day when reckoning will come. It would be a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, not being prepared. The word translated consider here in the phrase, let us consider one another, is taken from a Greek word that means to observe fully. Behold, consider discover perceive to consider attentively fix one's eyes or mind upon how do you accomplish how do i accomplish that without assembling together how do i do that how do i behold you consider you discover you without being with you how do we accomplish this if all we do is rush into the building right before the lord's supper is offered 
and then rush out before the closing prayer on a Sunday morning? How, how do we accomplish that? What is your habit? Are you part of those described here as having the habit as is the manner of some to forsake the assembly? Is that your habit? Is that my habit? Many a weak Christian will come to worship on Sunday mornings only for the worship service, mind you, and then wonder how they could have gotten swept up in sinful conduct. They're overwhelmed with the consequences of their sins. They're troubled in their families. Troubles occur in the local body, and they wonder, how could this have ever happened to me? Really? Brethren, let's not be deceived into thinking that we're so strong that we don't require the spiritual nourishment anymore that God commands us to partake of or that somehow we're excluded from the lord's commands we're not excluded from the lord's commands how are the people you are bringing to christ this year going to be encouraged to continue in their christian walk if you're not here there are some Christians who would never think of missing a day of work without pay or, or missing an important business meeting that could yield them a good profit. But when it comes to willfully breaking the commandment of the Lord to forsake the assembling of the saints together, doesn't take much. Willful sin, brethren. Willful sin is what that is. Whatever has been keeping you from assembling at every time we meet, make some changes. Make the changes needed so that you can be here. Notice that the passage right after this is for if we sin willfully. <laughs> What's the example provided by the Hebrew writer of sinning willfully? Forsaking the assembling of the saints. We understand willful sin as choosing to violate God's commands. When someone is sick or physically unable to attend, their lack of attendance is not willful, but they, they still desire to be here. They would be here if they could. We understand there are those who are physically you know, traveling. They're not here. They're not here for that occasion. But let's not miss the point by focusing on the reasons by which someone may miss and forget the whole point of we should be here and assemble with the saints. We all need to be here. Falling away is worse than something else. If we look in uh, 2 Peter 2.20, we read in 2 Peter that falling away is worse than having never known the truth. Why? Because one should have known better. And one has already enjoyed the blessings of the Lord and our Savior. When someone falls away from the faith, it is a choice to follow after the world over all of the wonderful blessings offered by Jesus through his own sacrifice on the cross. In my mind, it's the metaphorical equivalent to spitting in the face of God for what he's done for you and me. 2 Peter 2.20 Peter 2.20 For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her own wallowing in the mire. The scriptures give us examples of those who did fall away from the Lord, so we know it's possible. Uh, we see the example given to us of Hymenaeus and Alexander here in 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. 
who had said that concerning their faith in verse 19 have suffered shipwreck. They've suffered shipwreck. They're, they're, they're abandoned. Also, we have the example here in Galatians 5, 3 through 4, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law have fallen from grace. It is possible to fall from grace. But falling away is so dangerous, partly because some never choose to repent and and return back to the Lord. You see, it's not guaranteed when someone falls away they're going to come back. They may never return. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 shed some, shed some light on this. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. The idea here in this passage is focused on bringing one to repentance. Not that forgiveness is not available. That is available. But the person could not be restored if they chose never to repent. But that sometimes uh, people get caught up in some sort of error and they they can never be brought to repentance. The one who's fallen away does not desire it. it. It's no longer within their reach, so to speak. An illustration that helps me understand this a little bit is that of a swimmer. A swimmer is on the shore, and he goes for a swim off the shoreline heading out to sea. Yet people tell him, don't go too far now. If you go too far, you you won't be able to make it back. Once he gets too far out, he still does not recognize the danger he's in. He just keeps on swimming happily, doesn't ever attempt to turn back. He just keeps on going until what happens? He's sucked down and he drowns. Salvation was available if he would have turned back to shore in time. But once he got too far out... It wasn't even possible for him to turn around anymore and make it back and gain salvation on the shore again. Judgment, brethren, is real. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So... Let's ask, how do we prevent falling away? Well, we talked about a few, a few ways. In addition to strengthening our spiritual roots, exhorting one another daily, disciplining our bodies, we must also lay aside every weight. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, where we read, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's get rid of those things that weigh us down. The entanglements of this world, the sins that hold us back, things weighing us down may not necessarily be sinful in and of themselves, but may be those cares of the world, those things that occupy our time that may render us unfruitful, like we spoke about a few moments ago. We've got a race to run, and that weight we're carrying may cause us to not cross the finish line. We've got to make it all the way to the end of the race. Also, we can add to our faith. Add to our faith. In Second uh, Peter 1, 5 through 11, we'll read a passage in just a moment. We should focus on this adding to our faith. It, Brother Zach Kelsey is doing an excellent job on uh, teaching us from First and Second Peter this quarter. We really appreciate his efforts. He spends a lot of time, obviously, in preparation. 
and really helps us understand the text. Um, he'll be covering this actual this set of verses most likely this coming Wednesday night. Um, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there to support the study this Wednesday night and be there to support our brother who's teaching us in that study on Wednesday night? Have you been attending those classes? Have your children been attending those Wednesday night classes? If not, ask yourself why not. Are you willfully choosing not to do it? And leaving your brethren without your encouragement? Disobeying the commands of the Lord? Let's read 2 Peter 1, 5-11. It reads here, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Jesus Christ. If we find ourselves having committed sin, we can trace it back to not having added one of those things we just read about to our faith. Let's continue in a lifelong mission to add each one. Never stop working to add those things. Another critical way to prevent ourselves from falling away is to repent and pray when we sin. When Simon, the, the Christian who was once a sorcerer, sinned when soliciting the apostles to purchase gifts of the Holy Spirit, we, we can read what Peter says to Simon here in verse 22 of Acts 8. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray. God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. There are so many occasions in our lives when we have to exercise repentance. We must continue to repent of anything sinful in our lives. Never be like that swimmer in our illustration that just keeps on swimming out there, doesn't turn around, doesn't turn back. If we've committed something that's embarrassing, don't let our shame or embarrassment cause us not to repent. 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 Make it right. If preventing ourselves from sinning in the same way in the future requires us to give up something that we enjoy, Give it up. Give it up. Do not let anything stand in your way or my way of repenting. Choosing not to repent is what makes the Christian who has fallen forever lost in their sins. That's what causes it. We've got to have trust that God is faithful to forgive us of our sins when we confess them to him after obeying the gospel. God will not turn his back on us when we confess our sins. Nothing we have done is so evil that the power that's in the blood of Christ can't wash it away. The blood of Christ is more powerful than any sin that has ever been committed by any person, including you, including me. I'm so thankful for that. 1 John 1, 7-9 tells us here in verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's look at a few lessons for us this morning. 
the gift of salvation that we have as Christians have after having obeyed the gospel can be lost. We've got to strengthen our roots, bring our bodies into subjection, encourage one another daily, strive to put away all sin, repent and ask God to forgive us of sin, even in the case that I mentioned about assembling with the saints. You know, there's several ways that you can take that. Uh, you can get angry about it and think that I have no right to bind anything on you other than what's written, but it is written. I'm not binding beyond what's written. And you can get angry and say, I don't understand, or I don't, uh, you know. Um, repentance requires humility. Repentance requires that we make a change. Repentance requires we listen to what the Lord says and do what he says without excuse. Listen and follow Jesus. Listen to the message of Jesus that are, is contained in the words of eternal life. Jesus has made it clear. He wants sinners to hear him and follow him. John 10, 27, 29. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This passage is true. No one can snatch you as a disciple of Christ out of Jesus' hand. But if you've chosen to cease following Jesus, you are lost. You are the only one that can remove yourself from the hand of Jesus. I am the only one that can remove myself from the hand of Jesus. The grace that God offers is not irresistible. However, it is always available. So I ask you this morning, have you fallen away from your father, gotten caught up in sin? Have you been less than faithful in assembling with the saints? Repent and be reconciled. God wants to receive you. God wants to see your faithfulness restored. Are you still an unforgiven sinner, never having obeyed the words of eternal life? Jesus commanded that all mankind should be baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for their mission of sins. So if you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, are you ready to confess that before this assembly? Are you ready to repent of your sins and be baptized? You can be reconciled to God today. Nothing should stand in your way of making that commitment. Nothing. We're going to ask you right now, if you have need, a spiritual need that you need to respond to, come forward, make it right. If there's a private matter that you need to repent of or changes you need to make, changes I need to make, let's make them. Let's repent of those things and get back on that difficult, narrow path. Remember, leading to eternal life, brethren. This is going to be worth it. We can make the changes necessary, and we can go where God has promised we can go. So do whatever the Lord requires of you as we stand and sing the song to encourage you this morning. <clears throat>